0: Hello and welcome to Written in Uncertainty, an Elder Scrolls podcast sat firmly in the Grey Maybe of Tanriel, and proud member of the Robots Radio Podcast Network. My name is Arametheus, and this week we are looking at volume 9 of the Truth in Sequence, with lots of talk about craft and destiny and all sorts of other things. But first of all, I just wanted to give a shout-out to two new patrons for the podcast, Daniel and Hannah. Thank you ever so much for helping support the show, guys. It's a real pleasure to have you all on board, and I really hope you enjoy uh, the notes that I'm making and the early releases that you're getting. If anyone else wants to sign up, to become my patron and get the notes that I make for each episode and be able to comment as I go through and ask any questions, that sort of thing, and also get releases for all of my contents a day or so early, head over to patreon.com forward slash written in uncertainty podcast to sign up. And also, if you have any thoughts at all about the podcast or about its content, its form, anything at all that you want me to cover, maybe, or things that you thought I missed, anything that you want me to bring up, drop me an email at writteninuncertaintypodcast at gmail.com. I would absolutely love to hear from you. And now to Volume 9 of The Truth in Sequence. Taken from the sermons of Deldry's Morvain, Fourth Torbillion to the mainspring everwound. By the word I wind the gears. The mainspring everwound values craft above all things. She who shapes and assembles, he who conceives and creates, these are the true children of the clockwork god. And right from the off there, I think we've possibly got a little contradiction that needs clearing up, or at least highlighting before we go on to the rest of the text. In previous volumes of this sequence, they've talked about how Kagranak was someone who was bad and wasn't to be trusted, but it pointed out that Cagranach was a creator, was someone whose hands were covered in oil, so to speak. So we already had that sense of valuing craft for its own sake in a way, but that was pretty much uh, something that was cast aside. So having it brought back here feels a little bit of a contradiction, although as we'll see contradiction is potentially the point at this stage. And the text The Children of the Clockwork God, that is something in the sense of being a member of the family, not literally, but just part of the same ideological camp you've got in some ancient texts people will be talked about as being sons of or children of a particular teacher or a particular prophet's tradition and that's what's being alluded to here because as much as there's talk of joyful destruction and recreation there is no real rebirth within the clockwork apostles creed so far as we can tell there's recreation and self-making and so on but nothing that would really make you a child again, particularly because you are encouraged to have your critical faculties still with you when you come into this cult. Your labours need not whirr and hiss like the sublime works of Sothisil. The brush, the auger, the tongs, the needle. Each and each may honour the father of mysteries, so long as they speak his truth. And what is his truth, child of Set? Perfection only? No. Hear the words in sequence. Simple precision is naught but the shadow of virtue. Even a faithless smith may fashion a blade with the keenest edge, the perfect sphere, the clearest glass, the truest angle, all fall short of his favour. Only through the purest incongruities and greatest doubts do we earn his blessing. You must think with the thrice-folded mind. You must gaze upon the unsequence. And this whole sequence feels like the Clockwork Apostles are supporting a... Uh, I want to say deontological, but I'm not sure that's quite the right word because deontological means duty-based, which means you're doing things because you should. This is supporting a form of morality that is intention-based, that it looks at the reasons why you're doing something and the reasons behind it. That's what was talked about in an earlier sermon. And it's also something that's relevant here, that you don't need to actually create the most perfect craft in order to be valued by Sophocil and his cult here. They're also looking for what can potentially be called in some Christian circles, cracked pots, so to speak. They're looking for those contradictions, those doubts, those real things, and the striving towards knowledge through doubt and contradiction that's forming part of the way of reshaping and constantly going over what your current knowledge base is. I can't remember if I've talked about this before, but this makes the faith of the Clockwork Apostles something that is inherently dialectical. It's something that most particularly or most famously hegel promoted in his philosophy in this case you have an idea or a thesis which will then produce its opposite an antithesis and eventually through interaction those two will produce a synthesis and that synthesis will then produce another antithesis and so on and so forth it's a gradual refining of an idea until It reaches its completion and that's pretty much what's being talked about here that through doubts and incongruities and examining those contradictions and questions that the clockwork apostles think is going to result in the purest mind and best form of perfection so to speak. It also strikes me a little of Gnostic cults in the truest sense. I've talked before on this podcast about Gnosticism, most particularly when we looked at the man schism. If you want to check out my thoughts on that, go and check that out as to looking into the material world and sin and how that all relates to certain perspectives within the Elder Scrolls. But this particular one is gnostic in the literal sense where gnosis is knowledge and that knowledge-based progression within a religious cult it's something that we've seen in several religious traditions throughout history most particularly what they call mystery cults where you learn certain things and you progress up the hierarchy towards something else and that potentially gives us another window onto what the structure of the clockwork apostles is that this isn't a popular faith so to speak it's not something that everyone will follow and everyone will be part of and we're all equal so to speak but those who can produce the best knowledge and deal with those contradictions will be the most blessed there's also part of me that thinks that this is also angling a bit towards the enantiomorph, that fundamental structure of the arabis that produces the progress, so to speak. If the whole thesis, antithesis, synthesis progression is something that we can talk about in an abstract, the enantiomorph is an expression of that in the concrete metaphysics of the Elder Scrolls. I go into this in a bit more detail in one of the first episodes of this podcast, but for now the Nantiomorph involves a conflict that has three participants, the king, the rebel, and the observer. And so this flag of a thrice-folded mind, as in that something that has three parts, is what reminded me to that. If you have a mind that goes along with the fundamental pattern of the Arabic, then you can possibly progress more. Maybe. I'm not too sure on that, I must admit, particularly as this particular cult puts so much stock in throwing out the conventional understanding of things like Anu and Padme and so on. But that's what stood out to me with this particular passage. And the final line, you must gaze upon the unsequence, that's being talked about a lot. I think that the unsequence is a time without time, that it's the state before, which harks back to the state of Chim, which is explicitly called a return to the first brush of Anu and Padme in, I think it's Vex Teaching? And so, and going back to that before state, that point of uncreation where new creation can be made perfect and made right, is what I think is going on here. No mortal may grasp the unsequence fully. We see the edges only, the liminal truths. For some, the unsequence brings despair. Others look upon it with a child's bewilderment. But for the precious few, The nameless explorers, this thin ray of understanding may serve as the bridge of infinite curve, the walking wheel. And here we have a nudge towards something that is related to the Seizic Endeavour and the things we were talking about before, that first brush of Anupadame. The looking upon the bridge of infinite curve is possibly talking about the wheel, which is one of the fundamental structures of the arabis and a wheel that is turned sideways and is a tower those things are looking at how the universe is shaped and is particularly linked to chim and having an understanding of how the universe works within one's inner being i don't think that this is aiming at something quite as profound as that or at least if it is it's being very quiet about it the last phrase makes me think that it could be, because Chim is one of the walking ways, and the last sentence of that paragraph is the walking wheel. But that potentially contradicts some of the things that Sothisil's own dialogue says in The Older Scrolls Online, where he's simply looking to secure the unsteady walls of Mundus. He's not looking to move beyond it or outside it, which is kind of what that understanding of Chim involves. You need to look at the wheel from the outside in order to achieve Chim, in my view, or at least have that outside the box understanding and not think about it as something that can be moved beyond. But that might be me. It may be that I'm overthinking this, and this is just something that is pointing towards shim as an acceptable goal for the clockwork apostles and followers of set know this ash child only the intrepid mind may walk this path for you see the nameless soul is the tightrope walker that strides in circles only below and aside waits the gaping more of sheer lie ahead and above waits tamriel final and another now that paragraph also makes me think that It's talking about Chim, because several of Michael Kirkbride's comments about Chim and some of the descriptions that are in things like Vex Teaching talk about Chim as keeping everything in balance. It's knowing that you both are the universe and are an individual and keeping that in a very precarious balance. So it's possibly pointing towards that. It's a bit weird that the word doesn't crop up anywhere in this sermon, but the clues are there, I suppose. And the other thing that surprises me about this, that it's talking about Shiogorath's lie. The rest of the truth and sequence has talked about Khan's great lie. So I'm really quite curious as to why Shiorgoreth is being invoked here. Although in Varieties of Faith... Shiogorath is called the Sithish-shaped hole in the world that was birthed when Khan's divine spark was ripped out. So it's a little curious that it's brought up here, but there is certainly kind of an equation between Khan and Shiogorath that you can make. So maybe Shiogorath's lie and Khan's lie are the same thing that the madness and contradiction of the material world are both reflected in the one who created the world and the one who is a result of the world and potentially something that sprang from Lokan. We don't actually have anything that says who Sheogorath was a subgradient of, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was Lokan directly at this point or related to Lokan anyway. Although I should point out that by the point of the creation of the Mundus, Shiogorath was already there. He's supposedly on a level with Lokhan, so any kind of subgradient relation between the two would throw our conventional understanding of Shiogorath and his place in the cosmos out of the window quite a bit. Certainly, I think they're both related to Sithis, but that's as far as we can go, I think. I hear your cries, child of Set. How does one walk the wheel, you ask? Here lies a nameless truth, just as no wrench fits all bolts, no walk fits all souls. For the sculptor, it may mean an angle inverted or a form transposed, an abandonment of the named resemblance and an embrace of the abstract. For the scholar of maths, it could require half-mad theorems, rooms of cubic numbers and functions only imagined. For the inventor, it may demand a tool without any known use, or an answer machine that prints only questions. Craft perfected and use obscure, this is the surest path to Tamriel final, Anuvanasi. By the word, I wind the gears." This final section is really hammering home that contradiction is the path to enlightenment here, that trying to hold multiple contradictions and paradoxes together at the same time and use them in their paradoxical state may be a tool for enlightenment and progression. It also feels a bit like we're back with the whole Buddhist Kahn's thing. How did one walk the wheel? What's the sound of one hand clapping? It's thinking about those contradictions and seeing that within those contradictions, it says something about the nature of the universe. We also have some notion of destiny here as well. No walk fits all souls in particular, that if you are a particular type of soul, you will walk a particular way, that you can't actually potentially walk the wheel the same way as everyone else if you are of a particular type of soul. So you are destined to walk a particular path or achieve or not the enlightenment that is due you because you've followed the nameless will, so to speak. Quite how that fits in with actual souls and their own makeup, I don't know. Because the actual structure of souls in the Elder Scrolls is fairly standard from what we understand of it. Um, If you want to check out my thoughts on that, I have got a podcast going into the structure of the soul in the Elder Scrolls. So check back on that for my full thoughts on that. But I think this is more talking about destiny and what particular souls are capable of, which Vivek has also alluded to in his sermons, because of how z's looked at what z is or is not capable of within those sermons and then thought well i can only go so far so i'm going to make the most of it in various places and so i think sopha or at least Deldry's more vain we really shouldn't compute confuse the two is trying to get people to walk their own path and find their own way it's basically trying to find the contradictions in reality that kind of push the boundaries of reality a bit that see the stuff that is kind of out of the corner of your eye and progress that way that's the use obscure bit of the final line here that the true nature of reality is hidden because of Locarn's lie and so you need to kind of see the traces at the edges and that sort of thing kind of out of the corner of your eye because what's in front of you is a lie. And with that, I think we're about at the end of Volume 9. Thank you ever so much for taking the time to listen. I do hope you've enjoyed it. If you have any thoughts at all on this, please drop me a line at writteninuncertaintypodcast at gmail.com or leave me a comment or a review wherever you're listening. I'd absolutely love to hear from you. And also join the conversation at the Written and Uncertainty Discord server. We'll be looking at Volume 10 next time, which looks back at the history of of the Chimer and the Dunma, and what they think is wrong with it, and with the Sijic Order. It seems to be a feature of these sermons that Deldries is throwing shade on all of the other important ideological movements of tamriel's history which i really like because it's making you think well all of these great intellectual traditions are actually rubbish because of this new one this shiny new one come look at this shiny new one please kind of perspective that i think she's trying to push but until next time this podcast remains a letter written in uncertainty you've been listening to written in uncertainty a podcast written and presented by aramithius The music for this podcast has been kindly provided by Jan Glenbotsky. Check them out on SoundCloud under Songs from the Lost Land, and I'll see you next time.
1: Hey friends, this is Robots, the creator of the Robots Radio Podcast Network and host of the two original shows on the network, The Fallout Lorecast and The Elder Scrolls Lorecast. These two shows have rocketed up the iTunes charts. They both together have over 155 star reviews in only a couple of months with bite-sized episodes that take you step-by-step step through the background of the games in the game worlds. They're thought-provoking, well-produced, and a lot of fun. I recommend you go check them out at robotsradio.net or on any podcast reader Podcatcher, whatever you use, iTunes, Spotify. Again, that's the Fallout Lorecast and the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, available everywhere.
0: Hello. Hi. <laughs> do you like bad movies? Do you find yourself defending bad movies, saying things like, well, the soundtrack was okay, or the costumes were pretty fun? From the previous hosts of It's Not That Bad podcast, we bring you Fresh Tomatoes, the movie podcast, from Simone LaRue and Chad Akevitz. Every week, we review two movies that did not do well critically, but we say, hey, there are some nice things about them. Maybe Rotten Tomatoes was wrong. Maybe they're all fools, and you should watch these movies regardless. We'll also talk about scenes that could have saved it, and we'll often refer to Simone's cats because they're amazing and adorable and we love them <laughs> and at the end of each review we will tell you whether we would watch this movie again uh, or in what circumstances we would recommend you watch this movie so join us on July 9th for the first drop of our main episode and then two days later for our drop of our minisodes and on Robots Radio Podcast Network come see us on July 9th we love you so much already bye, bye.
1: rated M for Mature because we don't believe in scripted advertisements we're gonna do this raw I'm regretting this decision. No, you're not. This is the DL Weekly Gaming News. There's nothing to regret here, because it's your source for everything in the gaming world. Every week, we bring it to you, unscripted, unfiltered. That's why it's rated M for Mature, right, Brenna? Among many, many other reasons. I am one of your hosts, Jameson. And as he already said, I am Brenna, the other glorious part to this quality podcast you can find us every week wherever you listen to your podcasts at dl gaming news and you can also find us on instagram and twitter if you want some gaming news in your social media feed every day at dl gaming news and uh, you can find us individually if you really really truly want to see our faces i am at dl underscore mother goose and i'm at dl jameson And this was an advertisement, go fuck yourselves.